Good morning. The scripture reading is from Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 20. Please stand with me if you are able as we read God's word together. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat, and as you do, uh, I want to remind you of something. Uh, if you're not aware, next week is Easter. Next week is the Resurrection Sunday. Today's Palm Sunday, which if you're reading through or, or doing any sort of recognition of, uh, of Lent, which is a, a time where we take 40 days to fast in, in anticipation for Christ's death and resurrection, uh, today's the day that Jesus entered uh, the city of Jerusalem one week before he would be crucified and die in our place for our sins. And next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. And uh, around this time of the year, people in all of our lives are thinking, are contemplating, are are, are thinking about um, things like Easter, and that might come to their minds as eggs and bunnies and pretty flower dresses and trees that are blooming and all those things, but it's ultimately about Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And so I want to encourage you, as Pastor Brandon did earlier, uh, to take a few moments and consider who's one person or two people or one family or two families in my life who I know. Maybe they're my physical neighbors, maybe they're my family, uh, maybe they're a coworker, a friend of mine, somebody that uh, you rub shoulders with in an extracurricular thing that your kids do or your family does. Uh, maybe it's an activity you do, biking or fishing or something. Uh, somebody that you are, are, are friends with, connected with, or know that you can intentionally invite to join us next week on Easter, where they're going to hear, hear clearly the gospel of Jesus, as we do every week at Trailview, uh, where we're going to celebrate Christ's resurrection, uh, where he says we're going to look in, in, in John at how he says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
uh, next week. And so I would encourage you to invite someone to join us or a couple families to join us. And these cards in the back right there are specifically intended for that purpose. So you can grab a bundle of them and take them, pass them around, maybe go knock on your neighbor's doors or be in the front yard this week or this afternoon as people are walking up and down the street and talk to your neighbors, meet them, invite them to come join us next week uh, as we gather as a church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, I have a couple other resources that I'm going to point you towards throughout the rest of the sermon, um, but we are continuing through the book of Ephesians. And, and as we talked about in the last few weeks, uh, the book of Ephesians, towards the end of chapter 3, at the beginning of chapter 4 specifically, it turns a corner from unpacking the depths of the gospel towards getting into the implications and the transforming work of the gospel in our lives. And specifically, we continue on that track. And, and on that track. Uh, as what does it look like for the gospel to bring transformation in us? And so uh, as a kid, I uh, looked up to my dad a lot. I still do. I still to this day, I look up to my dad a lot. Like not physically, he's six foot five. So physically, I've always and will forever look up to my dad, um, but actually admired him as a man. Uh, there were things that he could do. It was as if uh, my dad could think of something and make it, literally, physically, could think of something, maybe draw it if he wanted to, but if not, just build it if he wanted to. That's just kind of the, the way his mind worked. Both of my grandfathers were carpenters or contractors of some form, and so they've just got this if you can think it, you can build it kind of mentality. And from being in the shop and helping him restore a Volkswagen Beetle that was his first car ever as a child to, to going fishing or seeing the fish that he would come back with when he went by himself, uh, like, or standing in a river. Uh, one of my fondest memories, standing, uh, for me, like midways, for him, like knee uh, height, in a river, uh, fishing and catching trout just all morning as we were camping in, in uh, northwest Arkansas. I admire, I looked up, I still look up to my dad. Uh, one specific memory I also have is we'd go hunting as kids, and, and I'd always sit with my dad, my brother would always sit with my grandfather, and, and it was always this like, hey, you want to be careful where you step for two reasons. One, you don't want to step on a snake, but two, you want to be as quiet as you possibly can. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, kids aren't quiet, um, but a, a, manner in, yeah, um, a manner in which I learned, hey, I can be quiet when we walk through the woods, which in northwest Arkansas, it's all hard woods. So it's literally covered in leaves. The whole forest in hunting season is covered in leaves. It's almost impossible to be quiet. Deer sound like a, a herd of like wild animals, like they are, uh, walking through the leaves. It's really loud. And so when we would maneuver through the woods, I would intentionally look at my father's feet and his six foot five frame, do my very best to put my feet wherever his foot went because I knew he was trying to be quiet. And if I would just put my foot in the same spot he was, then I could also be as quiet as my father was. And I would imitate his steps as we would make our way through the woods and follow these trails and find this little bluff area and dig out some leaves and sit there for four hours and fall asleep, which is what happened most times for me. Um, and I would imitate him as we did that. And there's a lot of ways, if you know me or know my dad, that I'm a lot like my dad. We have a lot of similar interests, similar skills, similar quirks. We make similar noises, like random noises, like clicking sounds and weird stuff. Like that, I don't know what my brain's doing, but it's just making noises with my mouth. Um, like there's a lot of ways that we are similar. Uh, and, and some of that's nurture, some of that's nature. There's often moments in my life now in, in our family where Rachel will go, man, these boys are so much like you. Talking about Noah and Levi. And, and they are. They are a lot like me. And in a lot of ways, that's nature. That's genetics. We're, we're wired very similar. But in a lot of ways, that's also nurture or developed. 
imitated behaviors. All of my children whistle, and they walk around whistling, and they didn't just figure out how to whistle. I maybe regret sometimes teaching them to whistle at age like two. Uh, it was just pretty cool. But nonetheless, th- there's development that comes from nurture and nature. And for us as Christians, this same concept and idea of imitation and development and and replication is integrated in the Bible. Specifically, uh, it's how we are supposed to become like God, imitating Him like children. This is the main point for this morning. Imitate God. To imitate or to mimic God. To do the things that God does. To love the things that God loves. For our hearts and our hands, our affections and our actions, to be like our good Father. To love what He loves. To do what He does and has done as much as we are capable. And this chapter 5 starts this way. Therefore, verse 1, be imitators of God. As beloved children. See, the challenging thing, though, is my kids, like your kids, there's some components and aspects to where we are similar because of nurture and nature. When it comes to us becoming imitators of God, uh, every aspect of my flesh is bent towards selfishness and sin. So it doesn't come from nature, but it comes from nature. Imitating requires proximity. It requires that we have ears within earshot of the words of, uh, of whoever we are imitating, our God. It, it requires us to have eyes who are with visible sight towards to observe the behaviors, the actions, the way that there's dispositions and carrying of God uh, and, and then re- replicating those. We cannot imitate what we cannot see. We can't. We cannot imitate what we cannot see. And by God's grace, this is the whole point of the Bible. God revealing Himself from cover to cover for us to clearly see Him in His Word. It also tells us in Romans that His his character and His attributes are clearly seen in creation. But even more beautiful, specific, and clear than that is Jesus that in Him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So we can look with clear eyes in God's Word and see our Father. So we're without excuse when it comes to imitating Him because we have the ability to see. This is why things like the Seeing Jesus Together journal are so helpful. So helpful to, for us to put ourselves in a place and position with one another To see Jesus. To see our God so that we can imitate our God as beloved children. And so so Paul, he he starts there and he tells us to imitate God as his beloved children. To to be like our Father. And then he goes from there and he talks specifically about three particular ways that we're to imitate our God. Three specific statements or commands about ways that we specifically are supposed to imitate our God. And they're these. To walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. There's three commands for us to walk in the following verses from this be imitators of God. Walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. So we're going to walk through those. 
<laughs> and the word walk here uh, refers to a, a way of living, not a like physical walk. God is spirit. Yes, Jesus is in flesh. Uh, so it's not literally saying to use your legs and walk the way that God walks, but it means to carry oneself, to live a lifestyle reflective of our Father, specifically in love and light and in wisdom. So let's look at this in verse 1, starting with walking in love. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covet or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is improper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you, have, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So the first walk he gives us is to walk in love. That imitating God mean, means living our lives in love. And determine what love my flesh and my heart. No. No, we don't get to self-define the love that God has called us to walk in. Because he has more to say. Walk in love as Christ has loved. That the way in which we are to imitate God by walking in love is defined by the way that Christ has loved. And how does he say Christ has loved? Christ has loved us and that he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What does it look like to walk in love as Christ has loved? It looks like self-sacrifice. That to love like Jesus has loved, to imitate God in our lives by walking in love looks like self-sacrifice. Husbands, wives, we'll get into this next week. As the letter continues and Paul walks into marriage and talks about the role of husband and the role of wife. So be here next week. But it looks like self-sacrifice. Jesus himself says this in John 15, 13. It'll be up on the screen. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. To give up your own life, to sacrifice for someone else. The example of walking in love for us, the illustration is Jesus. He gave up his throne, became a baby, grows up into a man, lived a self denying, obedient life to the law of God. Took our sin upon himself and died in our place as that fragrant offering and sacrifice for you. Rose from the dead so that all who believe in him would receive forgiveness, his mercy, and eternal life. When it comes to us imitating God by walking in love, it looks like self-sacrifice. When we think about loving one another, it looks like self-sacrifice. 
And the reality is this is pretty simple to comprehend, but very difficult to implement. It's easy to understand that self-sacrifice is the way of love. It's easy to understand, but it's hard to do. Why? Because our flesh and our sin wants to indulge ourselves in pleasure and be recipients of everyone else's self-sacrifice, but not sacrifice any ourselves. We love when others sacrifice for us. We do. But we don't want to sacrifice for others. He goes on from this command to walk in love, to give uh, an exhortation that serves as an example of the opposite of walking in love. And it's to walk in exploitive self-love. He says this in verses 3 down. In contrast to walk in love as Christ sacrificed Himself, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as as is improper among the saints. Let there be no filthy nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. In contrast to the sacrificial self-love or sacrificial love that God has for us that we see in Jesus, Paul commands us that sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, which is linked to desiring someone sexually that is not your spouse, sexual filthy foolish talk and crude sexual joking, that these things must not even be named and are out of place. That this is the opposite of the love of God. Because you think about it. Sexual immorality, pornography, lustful fantasies, fornication, having sex with someone you're, like if you're single, that you're not married to, adultery, having sex with somebody who is not your spouse when you're married, Uh, uh, letting your mind wander down the roads of sexual content on social media, or maybe it's not explicitly sexual, but it sure does stir the sexual desires inside of you. All kinds of sexuality that are contrary to God's good created design between one man and one woman in marriage for all of life. All of those things are not self-sacrificing, but are, are exploiting others for your own satisfying desires. It's using others. Be that physically or digitally for your pleasure. It's not self-sacrificial love. It's dehumanizing. It's the opposite of the love that Jesus has shown. It's the opposite of the way that He's called us to live. And filthy, foolish, crude joking at the expense of others at most cases is the same. And these things, He doesn't say, must be rare occurrences. He says, must not even be named. 
Not even mentioned. This is they're out of place for us. That if we're going to walk in love, these things that are in complete contradiction to the self-sacrificing love of Jesus, these things should not even be named among God's people. And I love that Paul, uh, uh, I love when the Bible just shows us, hey, your culture's not that much different than it was 2,000 years ago. I love when it does that because we can make all kinds of excuses and be like, well, they didn't have iPhones and they didn't have magazines and they didn't have the printing press and they didn't have all this stuff. It doesn't matter. They had a temple to the goddess of sex in their city. Same, this was an issue for the church at Ephesus. Most of these people used to worship at that temple, but have come to faith in Jesus and are no longer who they once were, but are new creations in Christ. But I love that Paul says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Because we live in a world just like theirs, according to Paul's word, that's screaming through every possible avenue that sexual things are not that big of a deal. That's not that big of a deal. Everybody does it. You can downplay it. It's okay. That sexual sin and sexual immorality of all kinds are celebrated in our culture. They are celebrated in our culture. Which can find us in a place to where it can be really easy inside of our own hearts and minds to go, it's not really that big of a deal. But Paul doesn't stop and say, don't be deceived, but he says the wrath of God. That these things anger the heart of God. That they're due His full weight of wrath. It is a big deal. But at its heart, it's an issue with love. So we ought to, like Paul says, walk in self-sacrificing love and confess and repent of living and acting and thinking and speaking in sexually sinful ways. To confess and repent, to bring into, we'll get there, the light. To ask for help and prayer. And so we have a resource. There's only a handful. There's only, I think, four of these left today. So I'm going to buy more of them. They'll be available next week. Specifically in, uh, as a helpful tool and resource for those who are struggling with, uh, with sexual immorality. Specifically with pornography. Uh, this book is called The Death of Porn. Um, and it's written for men, but ladies, by all means, I'm confident it will be a helpful resource if that's something you struggle with as well. Um, it's written by Ray Ortland, who he's retired but was a pastor in another Acts 29 church in the Nashville area. Uh, it's the whole idea of, of it is um, men of integrity building a world of nobility and looking into um, understanding what's going on inside of our own hearts when it comes to sexual sin. Um, and it's uh, interesting, he says this on the back. Um, he just unpacks that a, a struggle 
with sexual sin is not a porn problem, but a heart problem. Something inside of us that needs the truth of the gospel. And so there's, I think there's four copies of this left. Um, we'll get into what it looks like to step into the light in just a few moments. Um, but don't be so gripped by shame that you miss out on grabbing a copy of this resource today if you need it. There's no shame in saying, I need help. Um, and I'll uh, point you towards or direct you a little bit more in this. Things like this are best utilized in community to read with someone else who can help you, who, who is imitating Christ in loving, walking in love and not in self, self-gratification, self-love. Uh, and so grab that if you need it or if you feel like it would be a helpful resource to you. If you're struggling with these things, um, grab it. Um, uh, he continues, the second point is this. When it comes to us imitating God, the first one is walking in love. The second one is walking in light. Walking in light. Verse 7, he says this, Therefore, become partners with, with them. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible, and for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore I say, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The next aspect that Paul instructs us in imitating God is by living or walking in Light. And here's what John, 1 John 1.5 says about this. It's imitating God. We've said this. It says this in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. That God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. And this idea of darkness... Uh, specifically looks at two particular kinds of things. There's, there, there's works of darkness, evil, sin, and wickedness. That, that there is no darkness in him at all. There is no uh, evil, no wickedness, no sin uh, in our God. And should not be in us. To walk in light means to walk in holiness and righteousness. As our Father is holy and righteous. And in Galatians 5, this will be on the screen too, 19 through 21, unpacks what, what, okay, what does it mean to be, to walk in darkness? What are the works of darkness that we're to take no part in? And verse 19 says this Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That sounds awfully similar to what we read in Ephesians. So what are the works of darkness? That list and more. And things like these. So when he tells us to walk in light, it means to walk in holiness and in righteousness. But it doesn't only mean that, to take no part in doing these things. It also includes a heart of darkness, of hiding, 
of pretending, of hypocrisy. of deceitfulness, of dishonesty. Darkness hides things, right? Light is honest and clear, and all things are visible. For us to walk in light as children of light, it includes being honest. It includes not hiding not being deceitful, not being half-truth, but the whole truth of who we are. I think about this. Uh, Light brings life. To shine light is to produce life. When the sun rises in the morning, the world wakes up. You ever seen the sunrise? Ever been in the woods in the sunrise? Or by nature, by a trail somewhere? start to hear these birds that you're kind of, what in the world does that sound? Then you start to hear the pretty birds that wake up a little later. (laughs) Things start to move around. Think about when it's dark and there's no sunlight, things die. Things die. Uh, Where do mold, disease, and sickness flourish? In the dark. In the Spanish flu, I think it was Spanish flu, uh, in the early 1900s, the plague, um, or not plague, the, uh, the virus, what did they do to help patients recover? Put them outside. Because the sunlight was an increm- a, a significant part in their bodies being able to fight off the infection. As Christians, we don't walk in darkness, deceitfulness, in wicked ways or deceitful ways, but we walk in light. So my encouragement to you this morning is to come into the light. To to identify, is there works of darkness present in me? To confess and repent of them. Am I being deceitful and dishonest? To come clean, to walk in light. 1 John 1, 9 through 10 says this. If we confess our sins, come into the light. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness or darkness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So start identifying what darkness is in my life and do what He says. Expose it. Bring it into the light. Expose it. The third way that we imitate, and final way, that we imitate God is by walking in wisdom. To walk in wisdom. Look at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies in our hearts with melodies to the Lord with your hearts, 
giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To imitate God means to walk in wisdom. Walking in wisdom. God is infinitely wise. He is infinitely wise. The idea of wisdom or, or, or looking carefully to how we walk in this, this particular passage carries with it this intentional aiming of our lives in careful accuracy in how we're living. Not in carelessness or aimlessness, but in intentionality and with accuracy. Think about shooting a basketball, anybody? Throwing a ball, shooting a bow and arrow or a gun. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. It takes practice. It requires aiming. Have you ever shot a bow? Um, it requires you to look through a tiny, tiny, tiny little hole on a string that you've pulled back. And as you look through that hole to see your target and put a little tiny target sight, we'll not get into what it's made a little tiny dot on where you want that arrow to land. It requires focus and intentionality, not carelessness. So Paul's contrasting for us. He says, look carefully to aim, to focus, that we in our lives do not live careless, foolish, without thought and intentionality, but that we carry ourselves in likeness of our good, faithful Father who is infinitely wise and always purposefully intentional. In His sovereignty, nothing happens by chance or circumstance or mishap. It is the world is precise and intentionally designed and Sovereignly ruled by Him in wisdom and intentionality, not in carelessness. Not in forgetfulness, not in carelessness, not in foolishness. And Paul gives an instructive illustration. It's interesting when he does this. He gives an illustration that's also a command. And the illustration is about drunkenness. That in contrast to wisdom and living intentionally and carefully, he throws up drunkenness. When someone is drunk, they are foolish. And foolishness can look all kinds of different ways. But in its bucket form, it means careless. When someone is drunk, they are careless. They lose their control of their inhibitions. They become careless and aimless with their thoughts, with their actions, with their decisions. They make dumb decisions. And this is true regardless of whether that drunk person under the influence of alcohol becomes a belligerent, angry drunk, or chills out, or is a comedian, or whatever place they find themselves, they are foolish and out of control. Drunkenness comes hand in hand, 
or carelessness comes hand in hand with drunkenness. And so Paul gives us here an illustration of foolishness and an instruction about that specific foolishness. And he says, God's people imitate God. And that means they do not live careless, foolish, aimless, and out of control, like a drunkard. But they live wise, intentional, careful, thoughtfully. And along that, he, we should hear two things. Do not get drunk. You should hear that clearly from this instructive illustration. Drunkenness is sin. You should hear that clearly. We should also hear this illustrative instruction as an exhortation for us to Live, walk wise and not foolish like drunkards in the way we carry ourselves. But to be intentional and imitate our Father, our good God in that. And this looks like being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit means living wise, careful, intentional, thoughtful. Not drifting through life, but living intentionally. Where the Holy Spirit leads, even if it wasn't your plan, you follow. Being filled with the Spirit looks like living a life that's overflowing with joy and hospitality and gratitude towards others and God. So don't get drunk. And if you're unable to drink without drifting towards drunkenness, then you need to give up alcohol. And if you're unable to give a clear answer to that question, you should ask your spouse and submit to their love for you. But we should not be drunk. It is not the way of God. We should be wise. Considering your life, your work, your time, your money, your family, the stage of life that you're in. Are you living intentionally? Are you living wise? making the most of the moments you have, it can be very, very, very easy for us in the stage, place, and the stress, and the uh, challenge that you're in in life to think the grass is greener on the other side. Man, if I can just get past this stage in my family's life, or my kids, and my, my own life, it'll be better. And not live intentionally and wise in the one that we're in right now. In your work, in your friendships, in your relationship, in your neighborhood? Are we living and walking in wisdom like our God has lived toward us intentionally for our good? Are we living intentional? Are we being watchful and careful? Are you drifting through life? We are beloved children of God. As His children, we're supposed to learn to imitate Him. To do the things that our God does. To love the things that our God loves. We're His ambassadors, His representatives, His children. 
intentionally imitating Him to display Him like the moon reflects the light of the sun to the world so that they might believe, so that they might be saved. So today, as I invite the worship team to come back up, we move into a time of response. I want you to consider, am I imitating my Father? Am I imitating my Father? Am I living and imitating Him? Or am I living how I want to live? Doing what I want to do? Am I imitating Him by walking in love? Or am I walking in self-gratification? Self-love? Am I sacrificing like Christ has sacrificed for me? Am I imitating Him by walking in light? Not in works of darkness, but in honesty? Am I being deceitful? Am I walking in wisdom or in foolishness? Let me pray for us. Father, would you move by the power of the Holy Spirit in us right now? As we sing, as we contemplate, as we consider who you are, our Father, what it means and looks like for us to love like you've loved, where we see that we have failed at that, Father, would you, would you remind us that you love us, that you are merciful and gracious toward us. Father, would you help us to be honest, to raise our hands and say, I need help where we need help. I would encourage you, as we sing, if you need somebody to pray with, if you need to share something with someone, uh, I'll be in the back. One of our ladies will be in the back. Ladies, if you'd like to talk with a lady, uh, specifically to care for, to help, to instruct, to listen and pray for you. Let's respond. You can stand and we'll sing.